my pleasure to introduce a very, very dear friend of mine. I would um, call him a fellow laborer for the gospel. We have known each other now for quite some time. Our relationship started through Steve Fernandez, who introduced the two of us. And um, I was telling Nilo, I can count by the many times I've been to the Philippines, particularly Mindanao, um, by the many of these barones that I have. Because uh, every time I come there, he gives me a barone. Because this is what you preach in 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 the fin- in at least Mindanao. I don't know about the rest of them, but this is where. Uh, so so I'm going through looking at which one I want to wear today, thinking, oh wow, I've been there four or five times. So um, anyway, Nilo is a dear dear brother in the Lord, and our kindred spirits are le- linked together because of the gospel. And I have seen where this man was raised. I have seen where this man. Uh, currently ministers. I have seen the effects of what God has done through this man and the faithfulness to the word of God. And I don't say that lightly uh, to be with you and Fele and the brothers and sisters down there. What a joy. Years ago, Nilo had a burden to preach the doctrines of grace, to preach the whole council of scriptures. And it got him at odds with some Christian community that doesn't want to hear the hard stuff which we think is glorious when we preach that man's a sinner and he has no hope outside of God saving him. But that led Nilo to start um, his own ministry and uh, many of us got in behind it and he has been doing that ever since. They have a, a mobile Bible school that circles Mindanao and, and some other islands and they go and teach, they gather these pastors and they teach them for two weeks and then they move on. And they go gather more. And these are in villages and Muslim communities. And you just can't believe where some of this is going on. And then a number of years back, God laid on Nilo's heart to start a seminary. And he said, brothers, would you help me start the seminary? And we said, we would. And now there is a building there. There are men being trained, men being sent out constantly to plant new churches in a very strong Muslim island. In fact, most people don't know Al-Qaeda started on Mindanao. It didn't start in the Middle East. It started on Mindanao. And it's still very, very healthy there. But so is the gospel. And this is why we love Nilo, because he is unashamed of it. So, Nilo, it is a great pleasure to have you stand on this pulpit and proclaim God's word. So come on up, brother. I am bringing greetings from the Philippines. Magandang umaga po. That's simply good morning. <laughs> uh, every year, because of the Exalting Christ um, conference, I always have the opportunity to come. But every time uh, I come here in the States, I always have the joy of uh, asking our partner ministries if they can give me an opportunity to come and share what the Lord is doing uh, in His work in the Philippines that you have been praying and been supporting financially. I'm always reminded with this uh, word from Acts chapter 14, verse 27, where the Apostle Paul, through Dr. Luke, who wrote this, and when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I'd like to... uh, share with you that the work of the Lord in the Philippines, just like what we are singing, the enemy cannot stop him from accomplishing his purpose. Um, Last August 19 to 21, we have our pastor's conference. Every year we have this because in our mobile school, where we teach in the different provinces in the country, We have graduates all over the land, and uh, since we started uh, the mobile school in 2003, now it's 2014, we have trained more than 600 pastors already. So we gather them every every August uh, for fellowship and sharing what the Lord is doing, ministering to them, so that they will go back encouraged, refreshed in the Lord, But we have a treat from God this time, last August, as we were having an elder board meeting, one of the elders told me, you know, we have a wonderful case here with three of our graduating students. And uh, they told me the story, 
And in fact, I met with a man. One of them is a former Special Forces uh, military man who is now pastoring a church. The other guy is an airborne uh, uh, military uh, member also. But there's another one that is the enemy of them all. He is the former commander of the New People's Army, the communist rebels in the Philippines. But somehow the Lord, in His grace, saved them while they were in the service. And uh, during this time of the conference, they came because they're going to get their graduation certificates in our mobile school. And for the first time, these three men met. And they were sharing about how the Lord protected them, preserved them, and eventually have led them to the saving knowledge of Christ and now ended up serving God. The special forces, uh, uh, former special forces guy said, you know, the Lord has has uh, preserved me as we were ambushed during this time and many of our men died. And the airborne guy said, it was us who, who actually provided uh, a reinforcement during the time. And the, and the communist rebel said, but you see, this number of people died from your side and on our side, this number of people. How did you know? He, he, he simply said, I was the one who led the ambush. They were, they were killing each other in the field, not knowing each other, but now they are both lovers of Christ and serving the Lord. Just an amazing, amazing work of God in the lives of his people. And with all the medical issues in my life and with my wife, uh, I was here last year. A month after that, I was ushered to the hospital. Uh, we did not know my three feet of my small intestines had already been uh, having gangrene already inside. It was a terrible experience. I thought I have I I will die, but uh, it's an amazing <laughs> thing because I don't have spleen anymore. I don't have gallbladder anymore. It took uh, three feet of my small intestine. My, my liver is hardly, uh, it's there, but it's not functional. My pancreas is the same. But the Lord can still use someone. <laughs> can still use someone like me. So someone asked me, when are you going to slow down? I said, with a testimony even of those three people, not to mind the many other testimonies. Who can tell me I have to slow down? It's such a joy to share the word of God to the people. In fact, uh, uh, we just launched our church planting ministry where our graduates had the opportunity to um, apply for the program. We come alongside them and we promise them that we're going to help them in the next five years provide them logistics, training, whatever things we'll be able to provide them so that they can continue in the work of the Lord. And it's just amazing because these men are serving God with only the promise of the Lord to sustain them and not even asking question how. Before you can be part of our church planting uh, uh, program, we have to train you again in te- extensively in our church planting institute. And just to show you what kind of men we have. The, we have Pastor Lagoy. He had been in our training for almost a week and then he developed a, a stomach problem. My doctor's son, I have a son who is a doctor, uh, attended to him, but the 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 pain in his stomach uh, persisted. So I went to see him, talk to him, and he said, "You know, I know my problem. What's your problem?" He said, 
We've been serving God in these uh, tribal peoples. And we can hardly eat twice a day. If ever we can eat twice a day, there's hardly enough for the whole family. But here, since the start of the training, I'm eating three times a day. And there's still so much food that I can go back to if I need to. So my stomach is adjusting. And you know what? It just melt my heart when I heard this. After the training, we uh, managed to give them some financial gift before they go home to their families. And one of them, when we handed him, handed him the, the gift, he almost collapsed. And then you ask him, what's going on? And he'll tell you, that this is the first time for the last eight years that he had able, been able to receive a gift for his family. And he cannot believe it. He was overwhelmed with what the Lord has given them. And eight years. I went to visit his work from the city of Tagum, Double del Norte. Uh, we traveled using a, a truck. And 78 kilometers, it's like a dead end afterwards. So you go through the uh, very uh, hard climb in the mountain, 78 kilometers. We left the truck. We have to walk another two hours. It was evening already. But before I was able to sleep that, that night, the whole village, many of the people in the village came and asked that we can preach the word of God to them. The following day, uh, that night, you can see in the faces of the people, they don't want you to stop preaching the word to them. Because they told me, they seldom have a pastor go up to preach the word. I told them, I'm tired. <laughs> so they said, okay, okay, pastor, you can sleep. But we will come 5.30 in the morning and you have to preach the word of God again. So they came. 5.30 in the morning, they started coming. And we are supposed to be walking another two hours to be able to reach the village, which is the target of our church planting. Uh, my, my youngest son told me, no, I will not allow you to go. It will be difficult for you. I will go and do the work for you, Papa. So, so Kim, Kim went with three other pastors. Even a horse will not. Uh, endure the, the walk toward that village. But you know, when they arrived in the village, they never told me almost the whole village are already Christians. And they were just asking for a roof over their head so that when they have fellowship, they will not be wet because of the rain. Climbing down that day, um, I, I called a brother in Manila. I told him, you know, I'm here in the mountains of Dabo del Norte. Um, There's the place where the communist rebels are. But the Lord is doing, uh, he's building his church. And you know, this village, the Dibobawin tribe, almost the whole village are Christians. And they asked me if only we can put a, a thin roof over their heads. They will not be wet when it rains, when they have the church service. Please do not deny me with my request. Can you send some money? I told him, can you send some money so that we can put up the roof? He said, I will send it right away. I have the joy of watching this pastor serving the Lord in that mountain. Even the motorcycle, Scott, that we give becomes an ambulance for the whole village. Because there's no other transportation. The, the motorcycle can, can wiggle through uh, the rocks and, and the trails. And whenever there is a, a man that needed medical attention, he has to, he has to take that, that uh, man or woman in a motorcycle and 78 kilometers down to bring to the hospital. But the work of the Lord is progressing. Many of you have prayed for the Yolanda Typhoon, Typhoon Hainan. The island of Leyte, it's almost wiped out the whole island. We responded to them 
We were concerned because we have 54 graduates in that place, pastoring churches, and starting new churches, in fact. And we sent one of our men to see what happened to these pastors, the 54 of them. All of them were actually victims of the typhoon. Their, their houses knocked down, church building totally flattened. Uh, at first, with the help of many of you from here in the United States who responded to the need, we thought of just sending some money so that uh, the, the church building will be rebuilt, parsonages will be rebuilt. But with the many other needs, we are finding out that the money that we give to the pastor went to the pay, payment of the hospital bill. Uh, many of them have other needs more urgent than immediately rebuilding the church. But uh, we do not want to violate the intent of the donors. So I called the elder board and, I, and we talked, we prayed, Lord, give us wisdom. How are we going to handle this? Because there are so many legitimate needs, but we want to zero in on something that will uh, uh, last longer than just providing a meal for one day. So we decided that we will organize our own rebuilding team. We put out the word to our graduates, and we were able to get a good response from many pastors, more than willing to go. So we organized them as a rebuilding team. So we have them go to Leyte two weeks every month for one team. And with that, we were able to help. We bring the money, we buy the construction materials, we built them, their church buildings. We were able to provide 23 um, church buildings being rebuilt and uh, another, another 12 uh, buildings uh, were started also. Um, we do not intend to build the, the whole church building by ourselves because we believe that the church needs to have a sense of ownership of the project. And we do not want to build again the culture of dependency. So, so we help them start just enough for them to take on and to finish the, the project. And God is honoring that. In fact, uh, in, 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 the, in the program we are doing for the rebuilding, it's not only that the team will be building, uh, say for example, the, 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 the chapel, but there's a team that is at the same time teaching the pastors on site. And at nighttime, whenever we are allowed, we have evangelistic crusade in the area. The Lord is doing his work in ways that it is beyond our imagination. Thank you for praying and thank you for supporting the work in the Philippines. It is God's work. The joy I have in coming here last September 1 is because my eldest son, Amiel, who is himself pastor, uh, was with me and Pastor Highwell. Um, these two guys, young men, are trained to take on the responsibility. I'm getting old, Pastor Scott. <laughs> I'm not young anymore. So, so we're training young men to take on the work. And it was their first time to come here. They were greatly encouraged. And uh, just pray for them that God will uh, make them strong and uh, use them mightily for the work that is expanding in the whole island of the Philippines. You have your Bibles with you. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. It's verse 1 to verse 10. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, 
He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them. And they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on it. And he sat upon it, and many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord, we are spiritually famished, hungry, hungry of you. And the cry of our hearts this morning is for you, God, to satisfy that hunger through your word. I just pray that as we listen to your word this morning, you will grant us, Lord, a glimpse of the glory that captivates your people in the New Testament and make them men and women who are willing to go, obey, spread your glory, even to the ends of the earth. Use your word this morning, Lord, to show us who you are over our lives, and everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I titled the sermon this morning, Jesus the Lord of All. Now, if you look at this passage, you immediately will, will see wonderful things that will uh, guide us uh, in the understanding of this passage. Someone said that this passage actually talks about the, the coronation of the Lord Jesus as true king as was prophesied in the Old Testament. Somebody also said that this is an event that is... Uh, so important as it was included in the four Gospels to show who really Jesus is. I look at it again in the eyes of a missionary in the third world as Christ showing us that he is Lord over all. And more particularly, as he make his glory known to all peoples. Look at verse 1. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. The Lord is directing his two disciples, as he is directing his people in all generations, to do what needs to be done. The Lord is directing his work. Spreading the good news about 
himself, spreading his glory to all peoples in the ends of the earth. Every time I'm reminded with what the Lord through the Apostle John said in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, where it says here, Beginning from verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. God has a people purchased by his blood. From every tribe and tongue and people and nation. I'm always excited to think that the 178 different dialects in the Philippines are all part of God's program. For he has a people from amongst them purchased by his blood. The Lord Jesus directed his two disciples to go. Untie that colt and bring it to him. Christ leads the disciples approaching Jerusalem. There is this specific mention of the place. Bitfagi, Bethany, Mount of Olives. And he is actually relentlessly pursuing his way toward Jerusalem. Where supposed to be, he will be. Acknowledged as the Messiah promised to all Israel. But eventually it was the place where people shouted, crucify him. The Lord Jesus is directing his work. Scott had the opportunity to visit Lano del Norte. With the Muslims. You remember that, Pastor Scott? And when he went there in 2006, he was able to preach the good news, the gospel, to almost 300 school teachers. We have two churches there established, and now we, are, we have another church that is growing. Yeah, a new church that is growing. Now, the worker that we have in Kapatagan is a very unassuming, like a child. A pastor who, if you will tell him jump, he will jump. If the Lord will tell him crawl, he will crawl. He's just as simple as that. He was warned about this guy known to be a, a, a warlord in the area. He is a drug dealer, gun runner, car napper. Everybody scared about this guy. Even Muslims themselves are scared of this guy. But Pastor uh, Salveron was telling us, but, but, but the Lord even said, I have not come for the righteous, but for sinners to repentance. So I prayed for this guy. I prayed for this man for some time. And then one day, I go straight to him, put my hands in, in his shoulders, and I told him, you know, I've been praying for you for some time now. The Lord loves you, and he is interested in your life. The guy was shocked. This is the first time that somebody approached him with such boldness because everybody is scared of him. And it was Pastor Salveron talking to us, received the message from his wife. That man went to church that Sunday. And he kept on coming to church. Well, didn't you notice <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord commanded the two, go! And they went. Amazing thing is, the Lord given them the command, go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied there. How did Jesus know? 
on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, what are you doing? This, you say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. How did Jesus know all about this? Well, we can excuse. We can, we can say, well, because he is God. Absolutely. He is the one who orchestrates what happens to his work. With all the, with all the negatives, with all the success and failures in our eyes, everything happens as God planned it. That's why I always tell our people, missions will always be successful. It will never fail. Why? Because it is not our work. It is God's work. He enlists people in accomplishing what he purposed to do. This is something that is amazing to me because we are actually useless. He do not need us. But the Lord simply decided that he will use people like us. Unworthy sinners. People, many times, doing more harm than good in the work of the Lord. But he enlists people in accomplishing what he purposed to do. He sent two of his disciples. Everybody always needed a helping hand as no man lives by his own. The work of the Lord is directed by him and he, and he uses people to accomplish it. Send them. If I'm going to choose, I would rather stay close to Metro Manila where I work as a missionary for more than 18 years in the Philippines. I was teaching in the seminary there, planted a church in Carmona that have five daughter churches in a matter of eight years. Started another church in Commonwealth uh, near where the, our congressmen have, have their office. Ministry is good. Financial support from the church is good. But then one day it was so clear. The Lord telling us, Nilo, you have to go back to Mindanao. I was born and raised in Mindanao. A friend of mine, knowing the decision that we are going to go back to Mindanao, actually came by. He called me. I want to talk to you. He said, you know, pastors from Mindanao are coming here in Metro Manila. And you are already here and you are going to go back to Mindanao. There's so much trouble there. I told him, it's not an issue about what Metro Manila can offer. It's an issue of our obedience to the Lord. I'm glad that these two men simply obeyed the Lord. And word for word, they followed Him. I was talking to a couple yesterday. They were so kind enough to invite me for lunch. Uh, they said, we, we want to invite you for lunch. So we went to a Chinese restaurant. And uh, as we were eating, we talked about what is going on in the ministry. And then he, the husband told me, you know, there are so many people. There are so many people. And I am one of them. Trained, knowledgeable. We have the potential, the ability to do the work. And yet, it is just so hard for us to go. I... I I, and then the wife told me, well, maybe because of this, of this, of this, many other considerations. I just smiled to them and I told them, you know, the greatest issue in the work of the Lord is not anything but obedience. It is simply obedience. When the Lord 
commanded the disciples, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. They don't have the mission board to plan for them. There was no series of preaching on stewardship to encourage people to give toward missions. They don't have the money. In fact, they are pure Jews that to tell them to minister to the Gentiles is actually unacceptable to them. And when the Lord Jesus said, Go ye therefore make disciples of all nations, it means they are going to cut through the dividing wall of social strata. And they are mere fishermen. They don't have the cell phones that we have. They don't have the luxury of the, the many, many things that we have. In fact, their greatest struggle, when you look at Matthew 28, is that they are still filled with unbelief. But not even their unbelief prevented the Lord Jesus to tell them to go make disciples. And they went. And we are product. Our generation is a testimony that when we obey, God will do something that's beyond our imagination. They went away, found a colt, tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? But before that, before that, the Lord was telling them, if anyone says to you, what are you doing these? Why are you doing these? You say, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. You think, the Lord needs something? Something from us. Acts chapter 11 says, He cannot be served by human hands. As if He needed something. But this text says, He needed it. He needed it for, his, for the work. Amazing thing to me is that this cult specifically was mentioned by the Lord has never been used. Nobody has sat upon it yet. Must be precious to the owner. Must be something that uh, you will not have an easy uh, thought of letting it go. But then they heard, the Lord has need of it. There was a time when I have a visitor, a pastor, who is a graduate of our mobile school. And he told me, I was sent by one of the members of our church because he, he, he asked forgiveness that he cannot come. So I volunteered to come and talk to you. Your house in Cagayan de Oro, you, you've been to that house. Nobody is staying there now. And you remember the, the flood that thousands of people in Cagayan de Oro died? Um, nobody is staying in your house. Are you selling it? Because this brother is interested to buy your house. And he actually have visited the house. Your garage is... So, uh, so large that it can accommodate like 60 men in a Bible study. He wants to use that for ministry. And I ask, how much is the offer? It, the pastor told me he has no money actually. But he's trusting God to provide. I look at my wife. I said, here's a guy who wanted to buy the, the house, but have no money to buy it. But he wanted it to be used for the work of the Lord. So I told the pastor, just go home, we'll talk about it. And I communicated with this man, and he said, 
Pastor Nilo, if you can trust me, just transfer the name, the title of the property to my name. And I will loan it in the bank. That makes it even more scary. <laughs> but, then, but then, as I was praying, I told my wife, you know, this is a test from the Lord. This is not about this brother. This is from the Lord. He would like to know if we are willing to give up something that is so precious to us. It was the first house, by the way, that we have. As a missionary, we've been in 18 different houses, all rented. That was the first time that we owned that house. I told my wife, but to transfer the title to this guy we did not even met personally, just because he's a member of, uh, of one of our graduates and wanted to use the, the house for the work, are you willing to, to take that step of faith? My wife looked at me and, and she said, you are the husband? <laughs> you are... You are the man. You ought to decide. And whatever is your decision. But I prayed hard. Lord. I will transfer the, the title. Anyway. After much prayer. I said Lord. If you want to test. If we are willing to give up. The house. If I cannot do it. How can I ever say. I am willing even to give up my life. For you. We signed up all the papers, transferring the, the title, the name of the property to the guy. And we do not know what will happen next. But I told my wife, whatever things happen, it's all God's. And let's learn to forget the property. But he was faithful. In a matter of seven months, he was able to pay everything. But what a test from the Lord for me, and my wife, and all my kids. Um, we're, we're just glad that the Lord has placed us in that place of testing. This, this man... They took the colt? Of course. They'll be in trouble. The people there do not even know them. And they just come and untie the colt? If you are in the Philippines, you will be shot. <laughs> they will not even ask you, what are you doing? But these people... The bystanders, they were asking, what are you doing untying the colt? I wondered, they can still have time to ask questions. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them. And they gave them permission. Again, how, how can this thing happen just as easy as that? I, I don't think it was just so easy. Unless God was already at work even before they came. He has already arranged everything. So all our fears, all our doubts, if only we trust the Lord, you will be surprised what God will do because you simply obey him. I have a good time with Pastor Phil Foley, the one who replaced Steve Fernandez the other day. We were talking about what is going on in the ministry and, and we talk about the many problems that confronts us in the field. I told him, you know, the more I study the scriptures, the more I understand. We Christians need only to know what is God's promise. We do not even need 
We do not even need explanation from God. We do not even need for God to explain to us the details. If we believe who He is, and He gave us this promise, the Lord is going to fulfill what He promised to His Word. Look, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, Every time I talk to my kids about what the Lord would have us do as a family, I always point them back to the Word of God. And if there is one verse I would like to remind them when, that, when, when the conversation uh, about obeying the Lord, by obeying His Word, I always bring them to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Where the word of the Lord said, then the, then the Lord said to me, to Jeremiah, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Can you imagine God is watching over his word so that he is going to perform it? And my God do not lie or can never lie. The issue is not that we have no resources. The issue is not there are dangers that awaits us in the field. The issue is not even, I do not know the language. The issue is not even all the many things we can think of to give excuse. Because the issue simply is, Obedience. Obedience to the Lord. So, I can see here the disciples finding out that what the Lord told them exactly happens as it is. They have this new experience of joy in obeying the Lord. Do you know why I said that? Because, look, they brought the cult to the Lord Jesus, and then they took their garments, maybe a cloak, and then placed them on the cult for Jesus to sat upon it. First, it was only, okay, we go because you said it. But now, the joy that they have in obeying God become a source of a way where they're thinking, how can we serve God more? And the cloak to them is something that protects them from the cold in the night. Maybe it is the only treasure that they have. Aside from what they are wearing. What they have on their bodies. But they put it on the cold. And their act actually have encouraged many to do the same. And they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna. So when people saw what they did, these disciples did, they did the same. Some of them put their, 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 their cloak on the, on the street. Red carpet? No. Whatever they can think of, they can contribute. So some uh, cut branches, waving it unto the Lord. Some can only shout, welcome him as he enter Jerusalem. There is no one 
Nobody, absolutely nobody, cannot do anything for Christ. If only we're going to be willing to do it. I have a Filipino friend in Vallejo. Uh, I, I called him one day. This was last year, oh, two years ago. I called him. I said, Kuya Nestor, I don't have any schedule today. I would like to spend time with you. He said, okay, I'll pick you up. I'll prepare lunch for you. Filipino, authentic Filipino lunch. Okay, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> so I went to visit them. And then he took my, he took my jacket, placed it uh, in a in a place close to the door. And then he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I bought a pair of shoes, but I don't like it. So he took it from where he placed it, gave it to me, size eight. I said, oh, there will be many that can fit these uh, shoes. You can bring it, Pastor. I simply do not like the shoes. Never been used. So I tuck it in my bag, bring it, and during, uh, when I arrived, I called the students, who is size eight? And one seminary student uh, came up to me, I give the shoes to him, and he cried. First time he would ever have a brand new <coughs> shoes. The most funny thing, Pastor Scott, I asked him, where's the shoes? Because he's not wearing it. He said, I, I place it in the, in the box. Why are you not using it? It might become old. I want it always to be new. I said, no, 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 no. You need to use it. And we're going to pray that the Lord will replace it. There's so many things that you are throwing away here that actually can be used in the mission field. The clock. Sometimes you just take it for granted. To them, it's not surplus. No, it was need. It was not extra to them. These disciples, no. But you know what? They are so in love with the Lord. They wanted to do something that they are able to do and even beyond what they are able to do. And God accomplishes His work through the simple, obedient people. I cannot, I cannot forget, I was listening um, to the sermon of uh, Pastor Steve Fernandez one time. I was driving, visiting our, our brother, Pastor Mariano Rittorio, who is now 82 years old, but still going went to visit him, and as I was driving back home, I was listening to the message, and Steve has an illustration. There was this um, old lady with an only son who went as a missionary somewhere in Asia and actually was killed in the field. By the people, the very people he went to serve. So they brought the body back home here in the States. And the mom was so broken heart. And in fact, during the funeral, she just wept bitterly. That the people uh, watching her were actually thinking, what, what sorrow she has in his heart, losing 
her only son. And Steve was telling this in his sermon, that the pastor who did the funeral service, after the service, asked the mom, is there anything I can do to pray for you so that you're the pain of losing your son? God give you comfort. And the, the old lady looked at the pastor and he said, she said, actually I'm not, I'm not crying because of the loss of my son. My son is now with the Lord. I'm happy for him. The reason why I wept bitterly is that I do not have any other son to send and serve him in the mission field. If only I have another son I can offer to God, I'd surely do it. I pulled the car beside the road and I cried because I have three sons. And I asked the Lord, Lord, my sons, I would like to see them serving you. And God granted me my request. You're all serving. The eldest is a pastor. The second is a, a doctor. And uh, we are praying for a mission hospital uh, to be established. The Lord has uh, provided the initial amount to pay for the property. The property, Pastor Scott, just across the seminary, along the highway. That's uh, 2.3 acres. Um, the second installment will be due in December. And we are praying for God's provision to that. My daughter uh, has three kids in serving the Lord as the food manager in the seminary and now teaching the kinder school, also in the seminary. Our youngest son is taking up the last uh, subject required before he can go also to the medical school. Our idea, the burden that we have, is for the people the missionaries to avail of uh, medical services without them um, thinking where to get the money so that they can be attended by a doctor. Some of you will be asking, how's my wife? Feli was rushed to the hospital two weeks ago. She had her stent uh, in one of the veins in her heart. Three years ago, some of you, even the church here, have contributed to her operation. They put a stent in her heart, one of the vein, but the other vein is already blocked, and that's causing another problem. And you know what? When we have emergencies like that, the hospital that is able to attend to you with the equipment is seven hours drive from where we are. And now we just pray that God, in his mercy, will also be able to provide. We can minister to the people, not only the word of God, but even attend to them physically. So, continue to pray for my wife. She's back home. She's doing well. But I would like to see her go back to the doctor again when I arrive. Um, I... Half of my life is my wife. <laughs> and uh, I just miss her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, how sweet is life because of you. Life only have its true meaning and worth if it's lived out for you. But we cannot do it, Lord, by our own. I'm just, I'm just amazed 
that you are actually living out your life in us. For you, Lord, lives in us, in the lives of your people. Give us a heart that is obedient to you. Looking at everything, even our own lives, God, not as our own. The scripture says, you are not your own. You are both with a price. Glorify God in your body. You offered up yourself for us. And it is not a big thing for you asking us to offer our all for your glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name. Uh, when we started this series on stewardship, um, Nilo had emailed me and we got talking back and forth knowing he was going to be in the States. And I said, Nilo, would you come and preach? We'll be in the middle of a stewardship. We need to hear, we need to hear this. And I just thought it was of the Lord that he put it together. The pastor elders of your church have been really praying that we would not be a church of American faith. And he said, what does that mean? Well, America's church gives 1.3 percentage of their income. The lost give double that to United Way. An organization that does some good things, but does some very wicked things as well. And we just don't want to be that church. We don't want to be a church that we give penance to the Lord. This, what do we ever have? This little bit left over. So we're, we're trying to be a church of biblical faith. And we're pushing you to say, I'll take this card home. It's in the front seat of your, and, and we refilled them this morning and a lot were gone. So some of you did this. Take this card home, write down what you're giving now and what you would covenant to give to the Lord. This card's not to be turned into us, it's to be kept, to really honestly look as a family, what do I give to the Lord? We just want to challenge ourselves on this. The Generation Kingdom Fund is to pay off this building. We, we want to double our giving to missions. I want to call Nilo and say we're giving more. We're coming. This morning he said, are you coming next August to preach at our pastor's conference? Jeff was there. He watched him do it. And I said, I want to so badly. We want to be that type of church. When there's a need we go. We have faith that when the Lord is in need of it, when the Lord is in need of it, we respond. So we do challenge you. Pull this card out. Pull it out of the pocket. Take it home. And pray with your spouse. If you're single, pray. If you want to meet with somebody, one of our deacons, one of the elders, to go over your finance to help you. We have plenty of men who are very wise in these things who will help you. Maybe you can't give because you've not honored the Lord with your funds. You have become so in debt to a credit cards and, and house payments and things, you may need some help. Come, talk to somebody. This is, this, these are important things. This is his life. This is it. This is going to be over here soon. The Lord will come back, and we will be done. So this is not something just um, to, to twist your emotions or make you feel uncomfortable. It's something we really believe God wants to do as a church. So we really ask you, pull this card and pray about it. Pull this card and pray about it. The giving boxes are going up. We want to tell you that we're going to trust the Lord with you as well as elders. Um, in the next two weeks, we're going to not pass the bag in front of you anymore. There's giving boxes. I've been waiting to do this like a stewardship. The giving boxes are along the aisle and in the back. We want you to come in and give to the Lord between you and him. Many of you give online already on the back. If you don't know how to do bill pay, they just send it right out of your income. They'll tell you how to do that. There's help in the back for that. So we're going to take a step. And a lot of churches say, well, don't do that. If you don't put that bag in front of them, they won't feel pressured to give. We don't want you to give because you feel pressure. 
we want you to give as an act of worship to the Lord. So we're taking a step with you as leadership to trust the Lord. And though those boxes will be counted, it'll money be handed, handled very, very godly as it always has been. But we're trusting the Lord in that. So there's two on the sides, one on the back of the, uh, the cadenz in the back. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this challenge, Lord. We, boy, we get lost here in, in what we think is real life, Lord. Would we be willing to give up our house if the Lord asked for it? Could we walk away and, and say, Lord, take my sons. Would we be willing to give, Lord, when we're not quite sure that we can get through the month? Lord, help us be stewards for your glory, Lord. Not for the sake of just being good money managers of our money and, and that we can be able to do more things, Lord. But Father, we need to be good stewards for your glory. Hmm. When the cult is asked for by us, will we be willing to let it go? So Lord, help us this morning. We've all been challenged here, Lord. I thank you that these dear children of yours came out this morning. They didn't stay home and watch football. They didn't stay home because they didn't feel well. They came here to hear the word of God. So Lord, I pray that your word would not return void as you promised. And that we, we, your children, your son's church will react to the truth of the word of God. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen.